And we are live. Welcome back. You know what I just noticed? How is it called the Rafino and Joe show? But you're in our intro. You're introduced first. Okay, I'm the one who made the intro. Okay, it's not like it. I'm naturally going to put my name first, just like subconsciously. It wasn't, it, you really caught that? You really caught that. That was what <laughs> I actually just caught that. Nevertheless, we are live. I am one of your co hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is my counterpart, Joe DeLeon. Good evening, good sir. Uh, this uh, this Steelers Bills game just that's my only opening thought. It's terrible. It's probably one of the most boring games I've watched. Straight. All so, the anticipation about the snow, and it's just Pittsburgh the- going out there laying an, laying an egg. The whole wild card round has been terrible. I, I and I said that I think, yeah, I, and I think I said this. People complain, NFL fans that don't like college football complain about the competitive level during the the postseason. Well, what the hell have we just watched this past weekend? It's way worse than the the quality of play during the bowl games. Yeah, or the competitiveness. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I legitimately. Don't know. I, I mean, other than last night, which I thought was fantastic, I thought it was a lot of poetic justice. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, Joe, because obviously, and look, we're not an NFL podcast at all, our show, but <clears throat> I am a very big Dan Campbell fan, massive Dan Campbell fan. I begged the Saints, my team, to fire Dennis Allen two and a half years ago and to hire, hire Dan Campbell when he was three for 13, and everybody laughed at me who's laughing now bitch okay that's how angry it makes me because you had the guy in the building you had the guy in the building and you let a dude who is the ultimate rudy poo i'm pretty sure dennis allen sits when he pees okay like (laughs) i don't know how they haven't fired him yet it doesn't it does not make any sense to me the great late tom benson does not own the team anymore his his wife does Oh, you That's think she's why. just just skating by, not really yeah, paying attention, by, making billions and billions, nevertheless. But we're not an NFL show; we're a college yep. show. But you know who? It does seem like is spending billions. Who's that? Florida State in the transfer portal. My God, they just got another big time recruit, uh, Sean Murphy. We'll talk about that uh, as they are loading up. Uh, defensively, we'll talk about they might have the best portal class not named Ole Miss. Okay. Um, oh, you didn't see that? Yeah, Sean Murphy just committed. Oh, no, I did. I was going to I was gonna throw that in there. It's funny that you and I have been sitting on this topic for a couple of days, and it kept getting pushed down the line, pushed down the line, and then Stevens they commits. Again. They keep, they've pulled – so many Alabama guys, it's hilarious that they're turning into the Alabama players that didn't get onto the field. They're Alabama's bench, which is probably one of the smartest recruiting strategies that you could do. Instead of trying to spend all this money on the big-name guys, you go pull the the former four-star and five-star players, get them onto the field. And they're probably going to have a lot of these guys be really impactful, but I'm excited to talk about this. I was I was juiced up seeing some of the stuff that they were doing. Yeah, and Tulane obviously got two – commit today from wide receiver Mario Williams uh, and Chaz Preston. I saw a couple of people, and I, I know people in here have already said that they're elite. They're not elite wide receivers. Mario Williams and Chaz Preston are elite. I don't think they start in the SEC. Clearly, they don't start in the SEC or really at their respective places because they had to transfer to Tulane. People are making a big deal out of it, but nevertheless. But we will talk a little bit of Florida State. Joe, Arizona's head coaching search is underway 
Jed Fish is bringing his entire offensive staff and strength coach. He wasted no time. Nope. You know, I was thinking about this today. Jeff Jeff Fish, it seemed like he was ready to leave. Like everybody was let, ready to leave Arizona. How quickly the, all this is coming about. The funniest part about it, and I think the one thing that was the most disorienting, was seeing the video of the Washington AD at Fish's house, getting him to sign the paperwork. The, the, how quickly this came together. Alabama took a lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls. I think it's more of an indication. We're not going to really spend a lot of time talking about fish anymore because we've moved on. Um, but it was a bit of an indication that because of their financial situation, it wasn't a priority, nor could they have made it a priority to give him a long-term deal. So it's smart for him the first time that a team is going to call him up and say, hey, we want to get you locked down for a long time with a big contract, big buyout and everything. That's why he jumped at it. Arizona is in a really difficult spot. Now, I'm kind of feeling bad for whoever takes over this this job because fish had them playing way better than they were capable of playing. Somebody might be stepping into a, a, you know, a complete landmine here with this Arizona job. Yeah. And look, this is not going to be the only head coaching news that we talk about. I think maybe even this week, Joe, as uh, Jim Harbaugh interview with the Chargers today, if I'm the Chargers, I would not let him leave the building. Like, I, what do you want? Okay. We will get it here. This is for you. Um, and so, look, I don't think this is the last head coaching move that we have yeah. in Arizona. I still think that Michigan, we you know, we will continue uh, to, to monitor that one uh, as it goes on. But potential replacements at Arizona, there's one way. There is one name and one guy out there that I wouldn't I would make me tell. He would have to tell me no more than once. OK, that should, I, I, should I wait. Should I wait for you to tell me who Yeah, you can guess name? Name the first guy that comes to your mind. One, two, three, go. Is it Jack Dickert? It's not. I, OK, no. good. I don't I think that that's a terrible option. Then who is no, it? Um, is it Rich Rod? No. Well, I wouldn't. I wrote mind, him down as a joke. I but, wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. I know it would be a little bit of a homecoming, but yeah, you know, no. But there's one not too far from them. Where's the Super Bowl being played? Oh, oh, Barry Odom. Yeah, I wrote him down. I, I wrote down Barry Odom. I like that. I really like that. That's a really good point. But not take no for an answer. I would make him tell me yes. All right. So we'll get into that. But I think Barry Odom would be a massive replacement there. Something that you wanted to, to talk about uh, uh, are way, way, way too early 2024 SEC champion. Um, I'll oblige. I'll oblige. I, I'll I'll school. Let's have a little fun here. Let's. It, it, it's okay. not a serious pick. It's not. We talked about this before. That we're going to do this way too early picks for a lot of different things. We're going to start with the SEC championship. It's not supposed to be serious. I'm not slamming on the table like we're going to do in in July, saying that this is who's winning the conference. It's just you know a little bit of predictiveness based on what's happened with the transfer portal. Steelers just scored. They're only a touchdown away. Uh -huh. I just missed on the under. Yeah, you never bet the under. It was cold. And? It was I, possible. I, I'm pretty sure that Buffalo is where the uh, – who's the evil guy? The Dark the dark Knight or the Dark King? The, 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 no, the Night King uh, from Game of Thrones. I don't I'm watch Game of Thrones. Sure he was born and raised in Buffalo on how cold it is. I, I don't I don't understand that reference, so I can't agree with Game of Thrones. He was the bad guy. He was the villain. Okay. okay. So we got lots and lots to talk about here. Uh, let's waste no time. Everybody – oh, and by the way, Ross Bjork might be heading to Ohio State, so we will 
maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. I don't think it's as big of a deal as some are making it out to be. But since everybody is making it out to be a big deal, why not, Joe? I guess we'll we'll talk about A and M. I mean, I would want to leave there for Ohio State too. What, but what do I know? Okay. Right. Anyway, everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. Share to all of those social media pages. You're watching us. Listen to us live on YouTube. Like, subscribe, and notification bell wherever you're listening to podcasts. Do us a favor. Don't wait. Rate, review, subscribe. We might be doing a giveaway. If you go over to our Apple Podcasts, you subscribe, you give us a five-star rating, I might throw in a little, you know, we might be throwing in a little something-something here. So you Should. need to go over there and subscribe to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. We greatly appreciate you doing that. Joe, let's talk about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Got tons and tons to talk about. It is the offseason. I hate using that word, but nevertheless, we're here. We got a lot to talk about. We do that next. Benelon is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. No idea what just happened, but nevertheless. <laughs> Bye. Some reason our ad cut got cut short there, but nevertheless, we are. Okay, so Joe, obviously with Jed Fish heading to uh, Washington and taking pretty much his entire offensive staff, strength and conditioning coordinator, all of that stuff, it's, leaving, it's left a massive uh, uh, responsibility for Arizona to – Make a move here and make a move here really quickly. I do think that you brought up something last night that I overlooked, mainly because I just don't think it, and and to some degree still don't think it's as massive of a problem as people are making it out to be, but that's Arizona's finances and financial situation. I understand what people are saying about that. then Then that's bad managing of money if you can't go get a head coach. I mean, look, there are guys out there. I think Barry Odom would make some sense in Arizona. He's actually the guy for me, Joe. I would legitimately make him tell me no more than once. And he probably would because I don't think that Arizona is a very massive destination to go. But all I would say is is I think that he, for me, I, I think that he would give you the ability to win now, sustain a roster now. Look what he's doing at UNLV. That is my only option. Like, Joe, I, I have four names here. I scratched through every one of them, not named Barry Odom. There is one out there that I would look at that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. This you got to go get Barry Odom. Like, you don't have a choice. All these other little Rudy Poo names I keep seeing popping up, they might be fine coaches. They might be good coaches. But I think that you going into the Big 12, there's something to be said about a guy that's been in a conference like the SEC and Barry Odom. Like, there's a reason he's winning at UNLV. You want to know why? 
because he had success in the SEC. He's going to have success at Arizona. Go get him. Go get him. I give I give their offense or their success more to the offensive play calling, the offensive coordinator. I think Barry Odom's a great coach, and I think their success their turnaround is. Who hired him? Okay, yes, Barry Odom hired him, but it was their second choice because um, Bobby Petrino was supposed to be the guy, and then he ended up leaving to go take the uh, the gig at Texas A&M. True. I don't. I, I don't disagree. I think Barry Odom is one of the first phone calls you make, but sadly, because as I've pointed out, because of the financial situation, you're not really in a position to continually keep offering money until they say yes. They're probably going to get one no and have to move on. They're not in a good spot. They're going to have to take somebody who's willing to take a non-competitive offer, and this is part of the reason why we can assume, and from what it seems like, the underlying reason why Jed Fish left because of their financial situation. So Barry Odom, if they're willing to get him and they're able to get him, I think it's a great hire. The other options that come into play here, Brett Brennan from San Jose State was originally one of the people that they interviewed when they hired Jed Fish, so he'll be on the table. He has done a fan- fantastic job with um, with San Jose State. Offensively, they've been very good. They've been one of the more productive offenses at the G5 level over the past few years as him as the head coach, so he would be a good option. The other two that I throw into the mix here, G.J. Kinney, former in You think I'm not going to pull G.J. Kinney? Okay. Uh, G.J. Kinney who's formerly at Incarnate Word, was at Texas State this year, just got an extension, so they probably Damn would have to you. Pay, pay some sort of a buyout, but he is an offensive wizard with the things that he's been able to do early on at Texas State, so I'd put him into the mix. And then the last one's Rich Rod. I, I know that it feels a little weird to go back to a guy that was, you know, left the program, and it's not super exciting, um, but he's still a great coach. What he's done at Jacksonville State is notable that he's gotten his juice back. So I'd pick up the phone and it probably wouldn't be hard to get him to come back. I spent an hour today stopping on GJ Kinney. And here you are. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, no. I've spent I spent a whole past season prepping on GJ Kinney. GJ no, Kinney. You didn't. you didn't even know I was tr- until I started giving him props. What are you talking about? He was the head coach for Lindsey Scott, who uh, who won the Walter Payton Award last year at the FCS level. He is a fantastic offensive coach. Lindsey Scott had no uh, had no reason to win that award. He's tiny, I so I agree. Look, I-, I like GJ a lot. Obviously, he was in the conference that my alma mater played. I think he is one of the most bright offensive minds that's out there. Joe, look what he's done with Lindsey Scott. Look what he's done with TJ Finley, right? Like, I mean, that's two, actually two former LSU quarterbacks. That's why I kind of keep my eye on him a lot. But nevertheless, I, I do think that he could go to a team like Arizona and win. I don't really think that GJ, though, is going anywhere, mainly due to the fact because I think in next cycle, he's going to be one of the hottest names yeah. out there. And I would tell him to stay put. I think Texas State, look, you're you're at a program that is not known for winning. Joe, I remember when I was in college, we would beat the dog manure out of Texas State. They, then they made the leap into the FBS and, and leaving the FCS. And they've done okay, I, I mean, to maybe to their standard. GJ being there, they're one of the best offenses in the country. He's taking a quarterback that was from Auburn who, quite honestly, no one thought had a chance after he left. 
When he went to Texas State, a lot of people thought that he would ride the bench because they get, went and got guys like Malik Hornsby from Arkansas. Okay, mm-hmm. he hit on T.J. Finley, and look at the progression that T.J. had. I, I I think that if if Barry Odom would want it, I'd go after him, and then G.J. Other than that, Joe, I do think that they're in a little bit of trouble, to be honest yeah. with you, because I I really don't know of any coaches out there that would want to take that job, really. And, and look, here's the truth for Arizona. There, there's a, uh, and this is not us reporting. You got a lot of people out there reporting that they're in financial trouble. Well, you better figure it out and figure it out quickly because if you can't go out there and pay a coach worth a damn, then you shouldn't expect a guy like Jed Fish not to leave. Like, if you want to be legit, you got to spin legit. You got to act legit. You got to be legit. So, it, you're going to be a stepping stone program. I hate to say it, Joe. You're just going to be a stepping stone for these for these bigger guys that will, up, you know, ultimately get bigger head coaching jobs. That's yeah. What, ben Olin is the. Sorry, but that is what um, a school like Arizona is, and we'll just have to see what they do. But I would make Barry Odom tell me no. Yeah, and I I think that the school and the administration understands where they're currently sitting. They knew that they weren't going to keep. Jed Fish past next season. I just don't think that they expected that they were going to be in this spot right now where they would have to start to look for a new head coach this early. After the cycle has ended, they could have probably been in the running for some of these lower tier guys that did move up and did take these back end um, P5 jobs. You know, maybe they could have been in the conversation for Kurt Signetti. Maybe they could have been in the conversation for Fran Brown. But their financial situation's completely effed up. I am not a financial expert. I just know that they're not really in a position where they can go and spend a lot of money, especially with the amount of financial commitment that goes towards their basketball program, which is the real priority that, like you're saying, whoever they get, as soon as they start doing anything, they're going to jump to the next opportunity. Or it's going to scare away a lot of guys that, don't want to go to a program that is in not in good financial standing. That has to be one of the scariest things that you can step into as a head coach, not knowing the financial situation. Because what Jed Fish was able to do before this thing fell apart, before everything that was announced and everything that was found out with their financial spot was, was pretty fantastic. And he made the right decision to get out now before the floor falls out. So they might not have a lot of choices of guys. And I'm sure that a lot of agents are saying this too. They're probably going to end up at the third or fourth guy on the list uh, that they end up calling. Probably. Probably. Um, and, and look, you know, I know that you said, you know, go after Ryan Grubb. There's a reason Ryan Grubb turns it down. There's a reason why guys – look, Joe, you can't convince me that there aren't dudes out there turning this down. I think Jed Fish was a different breed in the sense of that, I mean, he, he knew he could go there and win. All that being said, I hate it for Arizona that I hate it for teams, Joe, that finally find success. You know, like finally they they have some success in a sport like football and it just goes by the wayside because they're they're not they're not serious. And I, I don't know why programs aren't more serious about football. Look at the money that you can make. Like, look at it. Why aren't you serious enough? Oh, we want, we're a basketball school. Well, you're a dumbass. Okay, like if you if you do not want to be 
go into debt. I mean, have you seen how much debt Cal's in? Oh, ton. I mean, they're never going to put a a commitment to football. Never. So, I mean, look, I, I hate it for their fan base. I, I don't know how they feel about it, but just be be glad it happened, and you know, hope that you your AD hits on the next one. Now, what they're going to say, Joe, is they hit on Jed Fish, and they're not wrong because they did. And so let's see if they can make another hire uh, 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 like that. Um, before we move on, you want to talk about this A&M Ross Bjork thing yep. really quickly before we really get going? Yeah. Uh, so it was reported today by Pete Thimble that Texas A&M AD Ross Bjork is potentially going to be heading to Ohio State. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's great for Bjork. I mean, this is – such an awesome opportunity for him to be able to move up to Ohio State. And it was it was speculated that the previous sitting AD, that they were going to go somewhere down his you know, development tree. I know that we talk about that so much with coaches, but it does happen with athletic directors too, especially when you have someone as legendary as Ohio State's whose name is is slipping uh, my mind right now. But the, the converse of this, I don't think this is that great of a hire for Ohio State. Like what? What is what sports programs are that good for for Texas A and M that that we could point to Bjork and say, oh, this guy's a this guy's a builder. This guy's done some great stuff. I will give him this. Okay, he did make an amazing head baseball coaching uh, uh, hire. Okay, it's, he, the problem is is that he extended Jimbo after COVID. The COVID well, season. Th- that was what I had read. Is that he wasn't the one. Who hired Jimbo? Which no, Scott Woodward, LSU's AD was right. right. If anything, the hiring of Jimbo was the good decision. The extending of Jimbo was premature and the bad I'm not, decision. I, I'm not necessarily going to put that all on him. I mean, they were nine and one. I mean, he's coming, told him we got to wait another year, man. I don't. They they put themselves in a really bad spot having to pay that stupid buyout. And and there is a you know I I love I love the Mike Elko hire. I think that it was a great hire. So he does make up a little bit of ground there. But his only his only accomplishment outside of what you're saying with the baseball coach, yeah, Jim Schlossnagel was a hell of a hire for him. I mean they look he he look Ross Bjork's not been bad, Joe. I, I mean he hadn't been bad. He's been he's been average. I just yeah. don't think any of their their sports programs are are anything that's really that exciting or super competitive. They've been really good at me judging. Didn't they also have that kid that? Um, no, but I'm being serious. Won, I know, I know. They won the did national they, title in me judging. Did A and M? Didn't they also have that kid? Didn't they also have that kid that won that shooting competition? Oh um, yeah, <laughs> the really big kid with the glasses. I forget yeah, the, it, the long it, the long rifle competition. Yeah, I, I think it's a step up for him. Okay, um, mainly to the point because of the brand that Ohio State has. I know a lot of people like Ross Bjork, though, right? Like, a, a, I know a couple of coaches that have worked underneath him, and they have said how awesome that he is as a human being. Joe, the way that he's raised funds, the way that he's gotten things back on 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 point from a baseball standpoint. I'm not saying that Ohio State fans really give a damn about baseball, but he will spend the money to make them good there. Yeah, they're a lacrosse school. They're not a baseball school. Well, you better get ready for Ross Bjork then. I mean, what does he I, know about lacrosse? <laughs> nothing. I, I mean, look, 
I, 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 let me say this. I, I, there was one thing. It is a head-scratcher for me. It, it 100% is a head-scratcher. Maybe, you know, the money and going to a program like that is a big deal. But if I'm Ryan Day, can I tell you the truth? I would not feel good right now. No, Ross, no. Ross Bjork's going to want to bring in his guy, and I think Ohio State would let him. I don't disagree with that at all. I, and really good point here to add into this. He obviously extends Jimbo, but he's also the guy who pulls the plug on Jimbo after all the money that was committed to him. So well, you think that after everything that Ryan Day's done, he wouldn't do that? That's not the big thing. You know what the big thing about Ross Bjork is? It's not that he extended Jimbo. You want to know what it is? What? Is that he got the money at A&M and they gave him the money to fire his ass. Like, so you, you, the- you got to talk about, like, bro, bro went out there and raised $76 million to fire his ass. Right, and that's what I'm getting at here is that you think that if he's not content with Ryan Day and the way that things are, it's a completely different situation where there's no tie to him. He's got no connection to him whatsoever. You think he's just going to say, you know what, let's try let's try this over. I, I did it already, already with Jimbo. I've, I've done it with a legendary coach who's won a national championship. You haven't won a national championship. I'll fire your ass. I, I, I think it's possible. I bring in Nick Saban. All right. How, how many times is there going to be an opening now where people are going to be like, hey, man, call Saban, see if he wants out of retirement? Because yeah. that's not, that, not going to happen. I really hope that that, that that doesn't become a trend. I know that we do this with Urban Meyer, but I really hope that that does well, not become a trend. If you think that it doesn't – I mean, it happens with our Urban Meyer. Do you think it's not going to happen with Nick? Urban's 10, 15 years younger than Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, age is just a number, man. Not according to Nick Saban, who said that he got so old it was slowing him down. I, that was literally why he said he, he retired. I, I call bullshit. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just call bullshit. I don't. I, I don't believe him there. Interesting decision. I, I mean, obviously, Bjork did something in those interviews to to sway a northern fan base when he's been in the South. Um, interesting decision if they if if they go there if they go there. Okay. Yep. Um. So look, let's get into this, Joe, because obviously. Well, I'll give you the decision because I know it seems like you're excited to talk about the way too early SEC championship game. Oh, so yeah, go let's, do, let's go Florida State. Okay, let's go Florida State. Uh, Joe, over the last couple of – or about the last month, the team that has really dominated the transfer portal not named Ole Miss has been Florida State. Look, they are sustaining themselves, and Mike Norville is sustaining this program by – dominating the transfer portal. Now, how long is this sustainable that you just constantly bring guys in from the portal? I don't think that they're recruiting high at a high enough level on the high school ranks, but they are dominating through the transfer portal. It's worked for him the last two years. He obviously got 10 wins in 22. He got, what was it, 13 wins this year at Florida State. So he's 23-4 and four in the last um, two seasons. Good for him. But they are getting dudes, man. Like Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones Jr., Roy Dell Williams, the running back, DJU, which I know that we're all kind of, you know, a little bit different on him. Still bringing in a, a decent quarterback who's played in the ACC. Got guys like Sean Murphy that, that transferred there today. They have done some really good things in the portal. They've dominated again in that area. 
Yeah, I think that there's a couple different strategies when it comes to building a roster through the portal. The one that we saw that we really applauded was what Old Miss did, where they just said, F it, we're going to spend a bunch of money. We're going to go get all the top players. We're not going to mess around, and we're going to build this roster into an elite unit that's ready to compete because they're in that position. They've got a, an experienced quarterback. They've got key returning players that they saw the signal with an easy schedule to make that run in 2024. Florida State, as you're talking about, hasn't done as good as they could be doing in the in the high school ranks, which is holding them back. But they're doing at the highest level of maintaining relationships with guys that were freshmen this past year or redshirt freshmen and have been in other programs for a couple of years and bringing them to Florida State. And I said this jokingly that they have basically become Alabama's bench. And that's not a negative. They have been stockpiling a shit ton of talent at Alabama that hasn't come anywhere near getting on the field yet. And we talked about how young that Alabama team was and that they could be ready to hit the stride next year. That was before Saban retired. But all these guys that they brought in from Alabama, we talk about Roy Dell Williams, who is an upperclassman, was the secondary back, was very productive, had a bunch of big plays this year. Malik Benson, who's a talented receiver, who's a junior coming in. Earl Little Jr., redshirt freshman cornerback. Um, Sean Murphy, the linebacker that committed today. Terrence Ferguson, who's a redshirt sophomore offensive lineman. They've plugged in all these spots with former five-star, former four-star recruits. And then the last bit of this is I love that the premier player is a Marvin Jones Jr., whose father was a premier guy for the team when he played there. And it honestly, it was a huge loss for them. So to bring him back and to get him a part of this program, I think it's so massive. And I think the, the direction for Florida State, as we were a little concerned with all the guys that were going to the NFL and a couple of guys that hopped in the portal, that they maybe have a down year in 2024. I, I'm going to say that I don't think that they will have a down year. They are going to be just fine in 2024 because they've reloaded as effectively as they did. All right. Don't get what I'm about to say wrong because I'm going to tie it all in a bow at the end. Okay. They better be glad that they hit the portal and have had the success that they've had. You want to know why? why? They are not recruiting well enough on either line of scrimmage that's worth a damn. They got one high school kid, okay, that's a higher four-star. I think he's a top 150 guy. That's about it. The rest of what they're doing on the line of scrimmage and look, these kids could come and play and, and be really good. That's not what I'm saying. But, Joe, they've gone out and they've solidified and re-solidified again what they're doing on both lines of scrimmage. That's why they're having success there. It's not the the Jalen Brown, who the LSU transfer wide receiver, who I love. It's not Roydell Williams. Hell, quite honestly, it's not even DJU for me. It's getting guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who you talked about, who is going to be the staple of this class, getting guys like Grady Kelly from Colorado State, then going out and getting another interior defensive lineman, two interior defensive linemen, one from West Virginia, the other one from Morgan State, and then you get Terrence Ferguson from Alabama to transfer in, Joe. Then you get Richie Leonard the fourth from Florida. All I'm saying is, is that you they've had to dominate in the transfer portal along both lines of scrimmage, to, and I'm just going to be real with you, to be worth the damn because mm -hmm. the, the game is won up front. 
They've done it in back-to-back years. Going and getting guys like Brayden Fisk, going and getting guys like Jared Verse. Joe, they're not doing enough really just in recruiting to sustain what they've been able to do in the program that they've been able to be. It's not so – do I love what they're doing? Absolutely. I think they're dominating the class again. But there's going to be a time, Joe, where it's not sustainable. You have an injury or two with some of these guys that are transferring in and the lack of depth that you have, it can be an issue. You know, we talked about, Joe, Georgia beating Florida State 63-3. to That's not just a quarterback issue. Now, I know that they had some opouts and stuff like that, but that's a lot of the guys that you're going into the season with next year. All I'm saying is you can't – I don't know yet. Now, it can be, and they're showing it can be. I don't know how sustainable this is. I'm just being honest. When you're not recruiting that high at a level, it can be costly to you if you're not careful. I don't disagree with what you're saying, and I was just trying to pull up how they've done in the state of Florida because, to be honest, you are right. They're not I'm right. doing a great job. Uh-oh, your mic. The On3 website just started blasting an ad in my ear while I was trying to look okay. at their, okay. their, the Florida recruiting rankings. But the best offensive lineman that they got was Jonathan Daniels, and they haven't done a great job of getting those bodies in the interior, all that stuff. The best players, though, that they had last year on their offensive defensive line were all transfers. That's their my first came from all and Fisk came from Western Michigan. A bunch of their offensive linemen came from other schools. Right, it, it feeds into what you're talking about. I don't know if we know for sure or not if that strategy works, though. Like, I don't know if we can say with absolute certainty that that does or does not work. I will say what does work is grabbing, grabbing blue-chip guys that were high recruits and bringing them into your program that hadn't gone on in the field elsewhere and not having to go spend Walter Nolan money and all that shit that's a good strategy, in my opinion. Not going out of your way to spend a bunch of money on kids that you don't know if they're going to play at the same level at your program or are going to be fully healthy the entire year. I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's better than what Colorado's done. I think Colorado's just grabbing any dude that wants to come play for the program at this point. And I don't know if that's going to result in any success. But Florida State, I don't have any issues with the way that they've built this team. You're a, you're an injury or two away, Joe. We remember last year when they had some offensive linemen beat up, and what happened to them in the running game? What happened? What happened against Clemson? What happened against Florida? What happens when you have these injuries? It's not it's not sustainable. Okay. Now their issue last year was not obviously it wasn't an issue for them last year, but did they get a Keon Coleman? I don't think they got a Keon Coleman. No, not in this class. I mean, DJ, but that, does, that, not, that doesn't mean that somebody DJ, doesn't hop in the portal. Jordan Travis. He's not. He's, de- he's definitely not. Okay. It doesn't mean so, they can't get somebody later. We didn't even know that Keon Coleman was going to be at Florida State until May. So that, there's a possibility true. that they that's can still true. You're bring right. somebody yeah, in. You're right there. You're right there. We don't. But I'm just going based off of, obviously, the date that we're talking about this. Okay? Like, I'm the – I'm trying to hedge my bet to some extent in reference to talking about what is actual reality right now. 
I think it can be sustainable. I think you're bringing a lot of great players. I'm not taking that away from them, Joe, at all. And Florida State fans are going to come into this clip video and hate on me again. I'm just telling you, you got to do better in high school recruiting and developing some of those guys along the offensive line and defensive line. I, I that's just how I I see the, it. I, I, I will I will give them a little bit of grace because this year's crop of kids. For, at the end of the day, yes, you can't just rely solely on recruiting kids from the state of Florida. But I look more as a concern if the top offensive and defensive linemen in the state went elsewhere. For the most part, there weren't a lot of highly rated linemen coming out of Florida this year. The top interior guy. Can I stop you right there? It's not necessarily the highly rated guys. you got to bring in five guys along your offensive line in every class. You're not getting enough. That's true. I mean, how many offensive – let me ask you a question. How many offensive linemen play on every play? Five. Then why in the hell aren't you bringing in five to recruit from? People think I'm an idiot when I say that all the time. Hey, newsflash, bucko. You got to recruit five offensive linemen. Like, Joe, who have been who have been the best offensive lines that we've seen over the last two seasons? You want me to name them for you? You ready? Here Michigan, they are. Michigan, Michigan Georgia, LSU, and yes, I'm going to give Alabama in that four. And Notre Dame, Notre Dame, say Notre and Dame. Notre Dame. What do they all have in common? A lot of bodies. Here, can I tell you what they do? You ready? Uh-huh. Hey, hold on. Breaking news. They bring in five offensive linemen per class. Hey, hold on. Who's been the best defensive lines in college football? Georgia. Michigan, Alabama. What do they do? Bring in a lot of bodies. <laughs> Again, it's not it can yeah. can you can you have a crap load of success doing what they're doing? Yes, but you're an injury away from that being a massive problem. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with it. You do need to add more. We literally saw Georgia do this, where they didn't necessarily sign all of the top offensive linemen in the class. A couple of those kids that they added were three stars, but they just went and grabbed the biggest freaking kids that they could find. No, they're six eight three thirty. And Kirby said, "You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna inject you with steroids and make you strong. You might be slow, but at least you'll be strong." And not all those kids have necessarily turned into elite NFL draft prospects. Actually, if anything, Georgia has a relatively low – they don't put out a lot of first-round linemen. They just they just don't. They have like well, one every year. They don't. Off, offensive linemen. For the most but, part, most of those guys are mid to late-round offensive linemen. Like they, they, they're going to have a Marius Mims. Broderick Jones was was last year, and then the rest of the it's a it's a rotating cast. It's a lot of different guys that get in. I remember who was that? God, who was? Oh, was it Ben Cleveland? Who was that really big, massive kid? Like they need just just big ass, strong kids like that. They don't necessarily need to be good or twitchy or flexible or any of that shit. Just get some big dudes. I, I don't disagree. The offensive line stuff needs to be better. Well, I I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think when you bring it. 
Here, here's why I said don't judge everything that I'm saying until the very end. They're still bringing in a crap load of great talent, though, Joe. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, they, yeah. they, defensively, they, especially, there, there's a lot of good DBs. Right. They, they're bringing in a, in a crap load of talent that's going to sustain them. It, it's just going to sustain them, right? But I, I, I just have I have question marks and concerns for them when it comes to what you know. It, how long can that be sustainable? That's fair. All right. None of y'all sending in super chats. What in the Rudy Poo is going on here? I, I, I'm well, the the usual culprits aren't here today. Yeah, I guess they're watching uh, Pittsburgh getting their cheeks clapped. This Pittsburgh going to wind up losing that. Uh, it's going to wind up losing that game. Yeah. Um, nevertheless. Joe, I know this is a segment that you wanted to do. So how about this? We'll talk about it. We'll do it next. Our 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 way too early preseason SEC champions. Um, I think we're gonna have a little fun with this one. I I, I have right. an idea that we're gonna have a little fun with this one. Don't but say no, something stupid. By the way, ah, uh, your home field stuff. I don't have. I'm not wearing my home field stuff today. You're I gotta, such a loser. You better start wearing it. I, I'm not. I, I I do have way more shirts than you do. I think I've got up to four or five now. Oh, from home field. I'm like, dude. Yeah, my closet. By the way, Joe, when you get married and you build a house, God hoping you build a house, wait till your wife builds your closets. I literally think I can ha I could hold a family of four in my closet. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll be afforded the city. I, I, I don't think I'm going to end up living somewhere there's a lot as much open land as there is in Louisiana. So I don't think I'm going to be afforded that. Hey, I have an open lot right next to me. I'm gonna pass. I don't want to live in Louisiana. <laughs> why? You never. You never even. I'm not from this. You know, that's my whole point. I'm not from the South. So, like, why would I? I know one thing that will happen to you. What? You'll gain weight, and you know what you'll have to do. I don't want that. I don't want. You have to go to Homefield Apparel and buy all new gear. Let's talk about our good friends over at Homefield Apparel. Close it out next. Rafino and Joe Show is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which is the best, without a doubt premium collegiate apparel brand that is out there. They have over 150 different colleges that you can choose from, whether you're an Illinois fan or a Rutgers fan. Maybe you're an LSU fan like Blake, or maybe you're an Alabama fan. Whatever it is, even Idaho, they have so many different designs for so many different football programs that I can guarantee you're going to find some great stuff to help root for your favorite team. I've already gotten my Notre Dame stuff. Blake has his LSU stuff make sure you head on over to homefieldapparel.com to check out your team's collection of clothing apparel that they have on the website. And when you do so, when you check out, make sure you use promo code Rafino Joe to get 15% off your order. That is R-U-F-F-I-N-O Rafino Joe. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com and get your college gear today. Something that a lot of SEC guys will hear in this upcoming April draft more than any other conference uh, out there. That's an assumption. Wanna bet you want to make a small wager? I mean, I could pull up my draft grades and we could sit here and count them, but we're not going to do that. Do you, I'll make a small wager with you. You ready? I'll brisk. I'll make you a. I'll make you a bet of a crisp ten dollar bill that the SEC right. has more draft picks than any other conference. Uh, deal. I don't think that's going to happen. Who do you think it's going to be? You can't claim Texas or Oklahoma. It's going to be. The, I think it might be the Big Ten this year. I mean, I'm just looking at at my current rankings. 
I, it might be the Big Ten. You want to you make you want to make a a, a a little bet here? I'm seeing a lot of Michigan. I'm seeing a lot of Illinois. Seeing a lot of Penn State. Ten dollars. You want to make a bet here? Ten dollars. Deal. Okay. Deal. God. First, you got to eat a hat, especially when Jane Daniels gets drafted in the first round. Um, okay. And then you're gonna have to pay me ten dollars. I don't know which one's worse for you. Okay. Let's get to it. So, Joe, you wanted to do this segment. Our way too early SEC champion for 2024. You wanted to have a little fun with it. So since it's your segment, uh, I'll, I'll give it over to you first. Who is your going to be your way, way, way too early SEC champion in 2024? So we're obviously going to do this a second time when we're getting close Probably to... Probably a third time. No, we're not doing it three times. I will, as the, uh, the producer of this show, as well as one of the hosts, I will not allow for us to do it three times that would be ridiculous but uh figure in the month of january it could be fun to kind of do this and see if we can get this shit correct in january maybe we come this far out i think that the easiest conference for me to predict come this far out <sighs> continue continue i think that the easiest conference to predict next year's winner is the sec i think that there's a lot of other conferences that have a lot of shuffling at top especially the big 12 with all these other teams coming in I think the ACC is a little bit more up for grabs than some people think, but Florida State is the clear favorite. Uh, same thing we talked about here at the Big Ten, where Ohio State's geared back up, but what does Michigan do? The SEC, on the other hand, we saw one team gear up, bring back most of their important players, one of the best quarterbacks in the country that when we do our way too early Heisman pick is going to be in that conversation as well. And then on top of that, they had the best recruiting class with a couple freshmen that I think could step on the field and play early. And of course, I'm talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. Now they're losing Brock Bowers, they're losing Amarius Mims, Lad McConkey, Cedric Fran Pran, they're starting uh, center. But coming back for them, it is so massive that Carson Beck decided not to declare for the NFL draft. And the fact that they added a productive back in Trevor Etienne, who I think is going to be so huge for this Georgia rushing attack that had a, a constant cycling because of injuries in the running back room to have somebody like this leading the way will be huge for their run game. London Humphreys is a big bodied receiver who not going to be as productive as some of these other guys this past year, but is a nice piece to add to the receiver room to a room that again, dealt with a shit ton of injuries. And then I love the fact that there's a possibility that guys like KJ Bolden and Ellis Robinson could get on the field early and really, really make some splashes. We talked about yesterday about Traveris Robinson taking over as this co-DC. I'm sure have a hand in the DBs. There is so much talent to work with. I think that the ceiling is so high for this Georgia team. And I know you agree with me because we've already talked about this a little bit. There are other teams that have done some great stuff, but they're going to come second to Georgia. I will say this. I do think it was a little bit of a troll. Uh, today, if you, in case you saw it, so yet last night, um, which I do think is a whole nother segment that we need to get into. So I, I could just start it here. Maybe you can clip it. Maybe you can. I don't know. Um, but T Rob did an interview, a three hour interview with Alabama and Caleb so many Alabama Taylor. fans commented on our video that like, Oh, he's not leaving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's talk about that very quickly. Um, uh, T-Rob had an interview with uh, Kalen DeVore yesterday. Apparently, it's being reported. It was a three-hour interview and told him, thanks, no thanks, I'm going uh, uh, to Georgia. What did you think about that very quickly? Like, what did, what were your thoughts on, on that? 
I'm sure that the role was very similar. I'm sure that the opportunity was very similar. I mean, but if he I'm actually calling plays at Alabama, he's not calling plays at Georgia. Yeah, but if I'm T. Rob, after I've already been a part of a previous coaching staff that was fired when I was the DC last time at South Carolina. Why would I want to risk going through that again when I could just go to Georgia, have two good years, and then get hired as a head coach? I agree. The path Look, is more clear. I do think that there's one thing, Joe, that we're not accounting for when it comes to this Georgia team next year. They have a pretty tough schedule. Now, they have the ability to get through all of it. I'm not saying that they don't. But here's what I look at, okay? They play at Kentucky. They play at Alabama, which I think they're going to win there because of obviously uh, Nick Saban not being there. They got to play at Texas. They got to play at Ole Miss. That's a lot of games on the road not to potentially slip up for one, right? Like, I mean, I I'm hedging a bet that they slip up in one. Don't think it matters. No. <laughs> don't, don't, don't think it matters. I do think they have one of the tougher schedules in the country next year. Oh, and by the way, they play Clemson in week one. Okay, so it's They're not going to win that. That's not going to. But see, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you think about Clemson. They are playing a really good team. Look, Clemson's a nine-win football team. Nine. Still going to win. Doesn't matter. I still think that they get Georgia got way too much criticism while the SEC wouldn't allow them to play Oklahoma. Look at it now. All right. I, Joe, obviously I'm going to hedge my bet that if I had to pick the 2024 SEC champion right now in January, yes, I would probably pick Georgia. But I do think that you have a, a really good Texas team that returns. I think you got a lot of pieces uh, that they have. Obviously, Isaiah Bond going to be a, a longhorn next year. I think he gets a lot of more touches, and they have a lot of weapons. Look, I do think that there are teams out there like Ole Miss that we will see how they do against Georgia next year that could make a little bit of a run. If I had to hedge my bet, yes, I'm obviously picking Georgia, but I do think that there are some teams out there that could challenge Georgia that nobody is giving them credit for. I don't disagree with that, and I think that what Ole Miss has done, which we talked about, that they're now in this running to be – I mean, now that, that Saban's retired, they might be the second-best team – in the SEC going into 2024. That's that's a very realistic conversation to sit here and have. That team's really good, but at the same time, mm -hmm. it feels like Lane Kiffin has still found ways in some of his biggest games to fall short. I think that they're going to be have a better record at the end of the season, but for whatever reason, Lane Kiffin gets in his own way and over-schemes and doesn't do the proper preparation to set his team up to win in their biggest games. He did it against Alabama. He did it against Georgia. It has cost them. I'm concerned about Texas, and I'm not saying that Texas is going to be shit in the SEC. Texas is good enough to win 10 games in the SEC based on their roster. But the way that they played against Washington in the college football playoff was fucking soft. They only came back because Kalen DeBoer and Washington had poor late game management. They played soft. They played conservative. They played scared. They fell for the trap. I don't that that's not going to work in the SEC. I don't think that they're that high up in the contention as people think. And for LSU, which is going to get brought up in this conversation, I didn't bring them up. 
No, but it just it, it, I'm just saying in the general SEC conversation, their defense is still a question mark. I we have to see it before we can believe it, which is not going to happen until spring ball. I'm going to make a hot statement. You ready? All right. I think LSU is going to be better overall as a t- overall as a team. I don't think they're better offensively with Jaden Daniels leaving, but I think so. Let me give you an example as to why. Joe, LSU averaged nine to ten possessions when Jane Daniels was their quarterback because their defense sucked. When Grant, when Garrett Nussmeyer is in there against Wisconsin, they had sixteen. What do I mean by that? It's because I do think that there is a that there is a chance that overall they are better because they have in they bring in Bo Davis, they bring in a guy like Kevin Peoples, who I'm just going to tell you. And I'll talk about this on my show tonight. Joe, did you know that no other edge rush defensive line coach has more than Kevin Peoples, all conference performers, or draft picks? Really? Wow. But you wouldn't know that because a lot of his guys aren't first first round top 10 picks. But what are they? They are he, – dude, He's he literally – in, t- in 11 seasons, had 11, or, or five seasons, excuse me, had 11 all-conference performers. He got the number one recruit in the country to commit and sign with Missouri. I want to hedge my bet on LSU being better overall as a team, okay, next year. But there is one thing that I will agree with you on on my on my on on the on the team that I cover and, and like. Okay. You're 1,000% right that they have question marks. I do think that Though, what does it look like with a young team, which what they had last year, what do they look like in another year of development under Brian Kelly? They played a lot of freshmen last year on defense. You know, does Blake Baker figure out something with Harold Perkins? They do have weapons and they do have pieces. The interior of the defensive line is the massive question mark, but I do think they bring in Bo Davis, who is one of the best uh, defensive line coaches in the country. They have a very favorable schedule, though. They have Alabama. They don't face Georgia. They play Vandy in there. Okay, so LSU does have a favorable schedule, but only in the SEC. Joe, they face off against UCLA at home, and they got USC in Vegas. So, I I mean, I don't know how is UCLA at home, you said? Yeah, UCLA is okay, Let me tell you something. Not having to go there is a good thing. Well, LSU did tough. go there. That was the, the beginning of the end for Ed Orgeron. People are going to be pissed off at that game. And I will tell you, I do think that Brian Kelly, there is some extent for him here. It's playoff or bust. He's got to make the playoff. Which now it's easier. So it's, Doesn't you know, matter. it's not as difficult. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he better make it. Let me Let me ask you this question before we get out of here. Okay. You know, we've already kind of talked about this because how much we've dissected the Kalen DeBoer news. How much of a chance, if you were to throw out a percentage, would you say Alabama 60. of winning the SEC? Yeah. Wow, it's a lot higher than I would give it. You know why? Because there's still a shitload of talented players on that team. Well, oh, man, it, I think that's too hard to predict because we don't know. I mean, like if Caleb Downs hops too, Maybe 60 is too favorable. They're right. It, like Caleb Downs is a guy who might hop in the portal and end up at Georgia. Like there's there's a possibility that okay, that well, comes to fruition. Fifty-seven percent. 
I'm going to say like 30. I don't think it's super high. I don't think it's super high. I just think they got a crap load of talent, man. Uh, You can't take away that they have a crap load of talent. Not Uh, everybody's hitting the portal. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like people discount how hard it is for a coach to come in in his first year and immediately win because he's got to get used to his roster in the sec west he he did but they also did lose the sec championship game against a death star georgia team but it's it's (laughs) what are we talking about it's hard to come in and get used to your roster and get your guys to buy in and get them ready to fire on all cylinders to win the win the conference i i just think that's too high of a standard maybe for them to get to the game is possible um, it could be, but I, I don't think, I, I don't know if they're the four best, one of the four best teams. I think they go to Baton Rouge this year and I think it will tell all like it, 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 they could be a one loss team point. going into Baton Rouge next year. And I think they can, I think they're going to get beat. That's a good point. Cause you, can I tell you something that nobody's talking about before we get out of here very quickly? Here's mm-hmm. one thing that nobody's mentioned about the Kalen DeBoer hire. You ready? Every single freaking week, every week. Yeah, it's cute that you went. You think you went to hostile environments in the pack. You think that you've been to hostile environments. Wait till you go to Baton Rouge in the first weekend in November, and it you can't think straight. Joe, let me tell you something. I legitimately have been on the sideline for an LSU Alabama game, and have, it's taken me three days for my ears to stop ringing. Okay, yeah. So, so all I'm saying is. We talk about can he do it in the SEC? It's different with guys like Kelly. It's different with guys like Harbaugh or Urban or whatever. Those dudes are different. I think that there's a bigger issue here that nobody wants to discuss. What happens when he goes to a Baton Rouge at Saturday night in Death Valley? What happens? You better get a shit straight. You better lock in. He better because if you don't and you don't get out and start leading early, you're going to get your shit punched in. People think I'm crazy. I think Kalen DeBoer can win 10 games consistently. He's going to get his teeth kicked in on some of these games now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they play Georgia, when they play LSU, Georgia, you better get me, ready. Let me tell you something. You ready? Georgia is going to smack the dog shit, pun intended, out of Alabama next no, year. Oh, after the SEC championship game, they're going to try and embarrass them. Yeah, they're going to embarrass them. And, and at their own home field. Hmm. <laughs> I've always wanted to I always wish I was kind of not really. I'm I'm trying to make a joke here. Kind of wish I was a Georgia fan so I could just walk up and bark at people with no you never you yeah. never met a Georgia fan? They just bark no. at people for no, no no apparent reason. No, I've never encountered that in my life. <laughs> they bark at people just because they think they can. It's really weird. That is weird. <laughs> See y'all what's today? Monday. See y'all Wednesday. Y'all have a good one. Peace. <laughs>